Welcome to Emirates Podcast, episode number 74. This is your host, Suman Silwal. Find ways to enjoy it, find races. If you enjoy trails, run trails. If you enjoy roads, run roads. If you want to be good at it, if you want to be competitive, understand that you have to take care of yourself, and taking care of yourself includes training as many miles as you can. Visit emrods.com to listen to our previous podcast episodes, links to our social media channels, and get race discount codes. I'd like to welcome Ray Krolovich, also known as Ray the K, to Emron's podcast. Ray has been running for a long time, marathons, ultra marathons before. I think a lot of us could spell uh, marathon. Uh, he has been running. Uh, Ray, how are you doing today? I am doing well today. I've probably been running marathons before a lot of the folks listening to this were born. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> definitely. Tell us about uh, how did you uh, get started running, uh, running marathons, uh, running especially. Tell us about your journey. Well, I started running, I guess, when I was about four years old. My mom told me to do something and I said no. And uh, she came after me and uh, I lost that first race. She got to me. So uh, <laughs> I really I had to start training so I could say no, but then I never had the need to say no again. I had all this training, so I figured I'd go run some races. So uh, I started running races. I ran a little bit in middle school, very little in middle school and uh, high school. And then uh, after high school, I was riding my bike everywhere because I was in college and I left my car at home by mistake. Well, maybe it was on purpose. I don't remember. But uh, I biked like 12,000 miles one year. And a couple of times when the bike was incapacitated, I ran long distances to get where I was going. So when I graduated college and I was living in Columbia, South Carolina, they had the Governor's Cup and the Carolina Marathon. And I would go out and run those, usually as a bandit, unfortunately. Um, but back in those days, if you didn't take their stuff, you didn't take their water, you didn't, you know, do anything. It was like, yeah, okay. Anyway, uh, ran a few marathons and governor's cups and different stuff. And then I started training with the idea in mind of going to Boston to run the Boston marathon. And I, I guess I officially started training in about April of 1978. And I went to Marine Corps marathon that year and did not qualify for Boston. So I, went to Savannah Marathon in January, January 5th, 1979. I qualified for Boston there. That was back when you could qualify fairly close to the race, not like a year and a half out. Gotcha. Uh, and then, so the 5th of January, I ran the marathon. I ran like two hours, 50 minutes at Savannah. And then a month later was the Carolina Marathon, which I actually registered for that year. And I ran 257. And then some friends were talking after the Carolina Marathon. They just used to do a big dinner afterwards. And some guys were saying, hey, we're going to run a race from Wagner to Lexington. And it's 31 miles long. Do you want to run it? And I said, sure, why not? And I'd never heard the term ultramarathon. And I didn't realize later this was going to be a 50 kilometer. But <laughs> I, ran, I ran that. Uh, the first weekend in March, so I'd run marathon first week in January, marathon first week in February, this 50K, and I was 259 through the marathon, and I was running along passing people between the marathon and the finish line, or the 50K, and a fellow named Andrew Park, when I passed him and he'd beaten me in the marathon the month earlier, uh, he said I should try some more long races, because I was strong like bull. He was European, had a European accent, and... Uh, I said, well, I think I will, but I'm going to Boston first, so 
Six weeks later, I went to Boston, ran Boston like 248. But before the Boston Marathon started, I was talking to this old guy. And old guys, you know, they have all kinds of crazy things they say to people. I know because I'm an old guy now and I say all kinds of crazy things. <laughs> talk, about time, that, uh, talk about that. How old are you right now? I am 62. Definitely. And, you, you're older and wiser, so. Oh, I'm no, I'm no wiser. I'm still <laughs> a poor young fool. But anyway, this old guy looked at me. He goes, ah, I'm glad I'm not the only turkey around here. And I was looking at all the white hairs on his chest. I wasn't growing hairs on my chest at 24. Matter of fact, I'm still not growing hair on my chest at 62. But I said, what are you talking about? And I'm thinking to myself, old crazy guy. And he said, it's against the rules to run without a shirt. So I can't run with a shirt on. And he laughed and he said, nobody will bother you. You got your number on and it's visible. And I said, cool. And he said, are you from around here? And I said, well, I grew up around here, but now I live in South Carolina. How about you? And he said he was from California. I said, that's a long way to go for a race. He said, yeah, it is. But this is the Boston Marathon. And he says, have you run? How many marathons have you run? I said, oh, it depends on if you count ones I registered for or not, but probably a dozen or so. And last month, I ran a 31-mile race from Wagner to Lexington, South Carolina. He said, oh, you ran an ultramarathon. I said, what's that? And he laughed, and he said, you ran one you didn't know what it was. I said, well, it was just this 31-mile race. And he said, well, that's a 50-kilometer race. And I said, oh, and that makes it an ultra marathon? He said, well, any race more than a marathon is an ultra marathon. So which, said, which, which year you said um, this was? Uh, 78? And Boston Marathon Day, 1979. 79, definitely. Okay, gotcha. So I said to him, well, that means I ran some ultra marathons when I was a kid in high school because they had these 30-mile hike runs, and I ran those all the way through. And he said, well, you might be good at this or you might enjoy this or something to that effect. I said, yeah, Andrew Park said the same thing. And then he said, well, in three. Oh, that was that's right. He said in three weeks he was listening to my Boston accent. He assumed I was from up there first because he said in three weeks you can go over to Connecticut. They have a 50 mile. And if you want to keep going, you can go on to 100 kilometers at like warm up. And Jack Bristol and Dean Perry started that race. And it was one of the premier races in the country back then. So. I said, yeah, that's just a long way from South Carolina. And he said, oh, South Carolina, thought you were from here in Mass. I said, no, just my accent. I moved to South Carolina. So I ran Boston, like I say, and I never saw the fella again. Later on, I did ask him his name, though, right before we split. And he told me his name, and people can go home and Google it later, and it's too bad you can't get him on a podcast, because his name was Walt Stack. And people that want to go Google Walt Stack will be very amazed and impressed, just like I was when other runners through the next couple of years told me about how fortunate I was to have run across him. So three weeks later in Boston, three weeks later, I decided I would go to this race in Connecticut. And I hitchhiked from South Carolina because I had used my travel budget driving to Boston. I hitchhiked from South Carolina, New York City where I asked my then, oh my gosh, full circle, 62-year-old grandmother, or maybe she was 63 by then, if I could borrow her car to drive to Lake Warmog for this 100-kilometer race. And uh, she wasn't quite ready to let me take her car, but she said she would drive me over. So the next day she drove me over early in the morning, 
And it's like an hour and a half from New York City. And I went out and I ran and I ran. I ran fast, but it wasn't fast enough. And there were all these people just flying. And I ran like another 259, just a hair under three hours at the marathon point. And there was no 50K in those days because like 50Ks in those days were for sissies. So they didn't even mark the 50K mark. <laughs> and, I got to 50, and I got to 50 miles in six hours, 29 minutes. Wow. And uh, somebody said, are you going on? And I said, well, yeah, it's a 100K race, isn't it? And they said, yeah, but you have the option. And I was a little tired. And I said, well, how many? What? Oh, I know. I said, how many people have gone on? And they said, eight people have gone on. You would make the ninth. You're the 18th person to finish the 50 mile. Think about that for a minute, folks. 18th place with a 629 50 mile. Wow. Anyway, I said, well, hell, top 10 is better than top 20. So I think I'll go see if I can catch anybody. And then the guy pointed, sealed the deal. He said, yeah, those two guys were seven and eight and they were walking maybe 200 meters past. And so I grabbed a quick cup of uh, DeFizz Coca-Cola, which was the drink of the day up at Warmug for many, many years. And uh, I blasted off after those guys and I caught them and passed them. And I'm thinking, now I'm seventh. And I kept running and you're lapping some people. And so I passed five or six people. And the next guy I passed, I said, have you finished 50 yet? Nope, I'm on my last lap. So and then two or three people in, I got somebody I said, have you finished 50? He goes, yeah, this is 100K lap. And I said, OK, cool. Me too. Ka-ching. Sixth place. And I did that two more times as I passed everybody. I asked what they were in. And I ended up finishing in fourth place that day. Follow wow. this for a minute. Fourth place with an 8-10, 100-kilometer. The people in front of me were Roger Welch, Don Marvel, and Park Barner. And those are three more names that people can go Google. But all were pretty established runners of, of, of that era. And everybody's... Uh, race was somewhat overshadowed because Alan Keurig from New York City had run a five hour, 12 second, 50 mile that day. So he was the star of the day. Uh, Roger was, I think, winning the second of his three or four in a row that year. And I talked to some people and Alan said, you got some talent at this. Don't run too many of these. And Park Barna said, man, you're strong as you can be. You can run as many of these as you want. And this was at the pool up at the old inn at Lake Warmug. And obviously, you see whose advice I took. I took Park Barner's advice and not Alan's. And, uh, <laughs> and he kept on running. Much fun not to run a lot of them. So I would run, you know, like races multiple weekends. And back then, they weren't all over the place. You had to actually travel and go into New York, going to Mississippi. Birmingham had a 50, Leland, Mississippi. So I traveled around and I went to races and... uh Dan Brandon put on a race up in uh, Philadelphia area, Haverford College, and it was a 24-hour, invitational only, and that was because he wanted to try and set the American record for 48 hours, which was 2.04 at the time by Don Choi. And uh, so the next year he did a 48-hour, and he either let me know about it or invited me, but in some way I ended up up there. And Dan Brandon was very, very correct. He was able to break the American record of 204 miles by running 211 miles in that event. The only problem was I had 217 miles in the same event, so he didn't get to have the record. Gotcha. So the next year, he did it again, and 
I don't remember what Dan ran this next year, but I ran 222. So I improved the record that I had set the previous year and also went like sub 40 hours for 200 miles, like 39 hours, 29 minutes for 200 miles during that race. Next year, I went again and I made the place smell bad. I stunk so much, but I did like 150 miles. Dan Brannon, actually, he'd gone home and done his homework. He ran 223, so he finally got the record he'd been seeking. And then, I guess six weeks later, I went to Montebron, France, where Yannis Kouros was inspiring everybody by running 280-something miles in 48 hours. But I ended up going 224 miles that day. And two weeks after that, Don Choi, remember him from the 204? Mm -hmm. He came back and ran 227 and then I don't remember the exact sequence. I think Scott Demery bumped it up to 241. Roy Perung did something in the 240s. Uh, there was one more guy, and I'm drawing a blank, and I'm embarrassed because I got all these names in my head. Definitely. Uh, I just want a listener to know that these are miles. It's not, <laughs> you know, you're talking about miles here. So. And then so. Phil McCarthy came out and did like 256 miles or 254 or something like that and put it kind of out of sight for a little while, unless Joe Fee just would have go at it hard or somebody. So uh, maybe Joe can go that fast. That, that just It takes an incredible amount of speed plus endurance to go deep into the 200s. Definitely. So, that was that, and I tried a couple of six days, and mostly I just didn't have time. I had to work all the time, and so I didn't have time for a lot of real multi-days. I did go to Greece in 83 for the Spartathlon, and I finished that. I was the first American to finish that, and uh, then I went back in 84 and 85. Maybe I went 84, 85, 86. Yeah, 83 may have been the first year, so I may have gone in 84, 85, and 86 and finished all three years, and I know Americans have a crappy reputation for finishing that race. I think I should go back 30-something years later and show them all how it's done. <laughs> um, and then uh, mostly I just went and ran races, and sometimes I was fast and sometimes I was slow, but always I was having fun and, uh, you know, just kept running races. And then on my 40th birthday... I snuck away to run a marathon because they had master's money, and I was hoping to win a little master's money. And long story short, I won't go into all the sordid details, I ended up winning the race overall. And so I got that money, and I came home, and my house had burned down. I mean, gutted. Wow. And so that pretty much ended my serious running career was uh, April of 1995. And I ran a lot after that. Obviously, it's 22 years later and I still run ultras. Um, but I never trained the way I have. I, I had just been doing some research and some work because I was going to you know, try and get a sponsorship from a shoe company or this or that. And it was real hard. They don't care about ultra running because you can't really sell anything different than with a lot shorter, more easily understood races. Um, and that's pretty much true even to this day. But... Uh, I had spent 17 years averaging 17 miles a day prior to the house fire, and that came to a sickening, thudding stop. And I still trained and run, and, you know, I've had 100-mile weeks, and I've gone off, and I've done a lot of things. I've, you know, run a lot more 100 miles. I've run a lot more, you know, actually done as many multi-days since. Uh, I went woefully underprepared to the 3100, the Shui Chen Moi race in New York City in 2014, and I ended up running 2014 miles by some strange coincidence. It's just funny how numbers work out like that. So I think it's going to take till the year 3100 before I can run 3100 miles in that race so uh you know now mostly i do them for fun and you know there's still a little competitive thing in me i went to the first uh 
race for the ages, the after race, where you get an hour for every year old you are. And I piddled around for the first, let's see, I was 60 that year. So I piddled around for the first 48 hours. And then I was like, you know, I had a little over 100 miles. And then I was like, you know what, there's too many people that are walking around here and not doing anything. So I hammered the last 12 hours, did like 45 miles and end up in 159. I think it got me 11th. So I was shooting for that top 10 as I had years ago at uh, Warmog, and I just missed. And I'm like, damn it, I should have started my kick <laughs> with, with 13 hours to go, not 12. Yeah, so, uh, you still have it in you, though. I still have some basic speed. I trained a little bit in January and February of 2016 and went out and ran the 50K in at Comset Park. New York on Long Island, it's a national championship. I mean, in the grand scheme of things, it was a slow time. I ran four hours, 37 minutes, but it was enough to win the age division by 20-something minutes, and it qualified me for Boston. They had a certified marathon split in route, and that qualified me for Boston. So I went to Boston this year. You know, that qualified me, you know, because you window so long. And I went to Boston this year, and I stunk worse than I did back at Haverford, but luckily it's an open-air race instead of an indoor race. Haverford was an indoor race, and so people couldn't tell, and they blamed it on other people. So, Ray, but you give me so much, so many things to ask and so much question. I don't know if you, if we have enough time to ask all those questions today, but I'm going to go ahead and attempt that anyway. Uh, let's uh, let's try. Uh, let's talk about uh, the back with uh, so-called good old days uh, back in back in those days uh, before anybody could even spell ultra ultra marathon. You've been running that for so long. Tell us about in those days, were, were you doing mostly road? Uh, so it sounds like there's a loop course. Uh, those are the things you were doing. Or how, how, how was the ultra field back in those days looked like? I mean, now it has grown so much, the trail, trail ultra. It was, it was mostly roads, okay? I we The road guys kind of considered trails an excuse to go slow. You know, and we were races. We had moved up from 10Ks and marathons and things like that. We were race and the trail guys were out doing runs and we kind of you know they were they were an amusing group now there are people that think an ultra is a trail race that a road 100k would be something else it's not really an ultra and i'm amused by that just as uh, i was amused by trail guys then i think the only trails and i'll use that in quotes that i ran early in my career uh was the strolling gym which was a mixture of dirt roads and paved roads just because that's what there was in war trace tennessee in those days but there was also a dirt road that i took to drive to work and to do most of my running on so i did a lot of running on a dirt road but it wasn't trails you know the whole pride thing and boulder hopping and how tough a course can be was always kind of antithetical to running and i understand okay you take a specific course and how fast can you go on that course but you cannot compare leadville to western states you know the same guys might do well at them but time wise and things like that whereas if you do a short loop hundred mile or a track hundred mile you know there's there's a lot of comparison you know you you know in other words my pr hundred mile is at a one mile loop at flushing meadow it was a sri chinmoy race in new york city my second best like 16 minutes slower or so was on the 10-mile out-and-back loop at Chicago. You know, they extended the 100K one year. Uh, so, you know, those were the kind of places you went and you ran fast. And, you know, now there are some guys that have 
in some of the trail races have run down around. Uh, I don't know what the best on any trail is because I just don't care enough to pay attention. But uh, there have been a few sub 14 hour trail hundreds. And I won't count Rocky Raccoon because I'm convinced it's a short course just by a lot of analysis I've done by people and what they've done other places. And it's Rocky Raccoon, though. And if you only compare Rocky Raccoon to um, Rocky Raccoon, you have very legitimate data. If you say, oh, he had the fastest trail hundred last year, then, you know, I'm going to raise a skeptical eyebrow. Same as for years and years, Western States was a short race. The hundred was, well, it's about a hundred. The horses did it. Now everything's like, well, we're going to go, we're going to painstakingly certify or get as long as we can, you know, as close as we can to an exact hundred. Uh, Stu Gleeman started Ancient Oaks down in Florida in the Enchanted Forest beautiful race he put it on out of his own back pocket to this day i believe it has no entry fee mike melton has taken over and Stu is a great guy did a lot for you know races helped support races quietly behind the scenes uh you know to make sure that some good events kept going but he painstakingly used every bit of his um phd in astrophysics or physics or whatever it was you know he was a rocket scientist and i can say that now unfortunately because he passed but if you ever called him a rocket scientist he'd be like don't use that term (laughs) he measured his course as close as he could at ancient oaks you know and it's a 3.43 mile loop or whatever so when you're done you have 100.43 miles or something like that but again he would be the first to say don't hang your hat on that uh it used to be you can't certify a trail race now you see certified trail races we run henson lake which is a great race and uh it was always a distance and you did a certain number of laps to get 100 well a new race director came in and he got one of the course certifiers to figure out a way that it's dirt trails and roads but it's a short loop and they came up with a number that i'm sure meets all the parameters for certification and so now it's like a 1.5003 mile loop and you know you can have a certified performance there which uh mike morton ran 160 something miles there one year and had his second brief meteoric career you know he had one when he won western states and did some phenomenal things back in the back ages and then he disappeared for close to 20 years and came back and had another real amazing career and now I understand he's suffering some back issues and, you know, it's just hard for him to run and maintain, you know, the kind of torque and uh, speed that he was able to do, you know, when he was and he's never probably been 100 percent healthy, but he was relatively healthy. But that's one of the great things about the sport is that guys with talent go out and they suck it up and they do what they have to do. And they do run some amazing times and whether they're trails or road races or anything else. And there have been some great performances through the years. Definitely, and uh, we're still seeing a lot of performance, and uh, people are learning, uh, learning new way to do it, and and um, I think Road Ultra is kind of making its debut back uh, slowly. I see a lot of my friends, uh, my road friends, fast road friends, they they prefer go to Road Ultra, Road Ultra than running a trail ultra for obvious many reasons. I mean, I do both. I do. I mostly my ultras are running road. I mean trails and. Uh, and most of my marathons is uh, the Iron Road. So, you know, I've, I'm always between both. Uh, but uh, I haven't, I mean, for me, it's, it doesn't matter. But I usually, uh, for me, is I'm still not sold 100% doing a small loop, one mile loop. I have done here recently in Birmingham. Uh, last year, we started a 48 hours endless mile. I did 12 hours in a small one mile loop. And it's just, I guess it's not for me, but uh, I guess uh, it's a different people look at different ways. Uh, those kind of rates. So, so that's what I got to 
got to learn a little bit on that. And it brings different crowd as well. So but let's talk about a uh, little bit about uh, your running, running journey, running, uh, running um, uh, that you have been been doing for such a long time. Uh, how many years you said you've been doing running um, in, in total? I know that you said when you were four year old. What? I, I, long runs. I did these hike runs. And there was somewhat model, you know, JFK hike run started in 1964, the 50 mile challenge John Kennedy did. And so there were little hike runs all over again before ultra marathons. So I did a 30 mile hike run in 1971 was my first long distance run. Wow. That's more than what, 45 years uh, running. Is that how? Yeah, definitely. And then, like I said, I ran a handful of marathons and other races, you know, through the 70s. And then I actually started training in uh, 1978. I started training to, okay, let's go see how fast I can cover these different distances. And the ultras were almost an accident. Like I say, bumping into a guy at uh, Boston <laughs> that challenged me to go run a 50 mile. And as he said, if you feel good at 50 miles, you can run 100K. Yeah. And I said, oh, 100K. And he said, boy, you better get 50 miles first. <laughs> isn't that how it works uh, somebody's trying to enable you to do something more than you're supposed to absolutely talk about that uh, Ray um, uh, like what I was trying to build the next question is uh, you're age 40, 62 running more than 45 years uh, tell us about uh, is any any health issue in a running, you know, I hear a lot of people, I came from being a non-runner to a runner, and I hear people like, oh, you're going to do this, you're going to be that, you know, you, you can hurt yourself as you get older, and all these things I hear uh, from non or the people who's uh, even the family member. Is there anything like that for you? I know that we always have a aches and pains as a runner, you know, that's that's a normal thing for us, and especially ultra runners, uh, we always have aches and pains, but is there a Anything physically, you know, as you get older, I mean, you ran, you're still running pretty competitive races. So is there anything you, you think that it'll hurt uh, as you get older or, or you don't see any problem? And I know everybody's different, but, but in a general term for you. I'm not old enough to answer that question. Uh, have not been running long enough. Uh, because to date, I have never had a running injury, Okay. I have hurt myself doing stupid things. I sliced my leg open moving a car windshield, a broken car windshield once. I get to see my bone. That was cool. Um, I tore a meniscus jumping a fence. And that kind of happened while running, but I was showing off for these ladies that I was running with. I jumped the fence and landed in some soft sand and corkscrewed my knee. And that was a week before the New York City Marathon, my one New York City Marathon. So I went and ran it the next week and ran like 252. So it didn't kill me, but I was probably in 235 shape. I was in the best shape of my life. I'd want to go up and really shine at New York. So it slowed me considerably. And then I came home and took a couple of weeks off. And then I started walking and jogging slowly. And we talked, a couple of people talked about surgery. And I read some stuff. And again, this is before the internet and talked to some really smart people and they said, sometimes a little bitty tail will kind of heal or it'll detach. And it hurt for probably a year, you know, going out running. And then one day I was aware, it's like, dang, I don't remember the last time my knee hurt. <laughs> uh, I mean, I've done stupid things like 100 miles one weekend and then next weekend another 100 miles. Uh, I think that was part of what, you know, because I did 100 miles one day and then another 100 miles the next day. I've done 
100 miles on consecutive days like three or four times. And, uh, you know, just because you've had those events. One weekend, as a matter of fact, I drove from my teaching because I always teach. And Friday afternoon, I drove to Louisville, Kentucky. And the next morning, I got a ride back to Frankfurt because they were running the Frankfurt to Louisville 50 miler. And I ran six hours, 15 minutes, finished second to Scott Miller, who was out of Cincinnati, one of the real big dogs of the day. And uh, after the race, I climbed in my car and I drove overnight to Augusta, Georgia. And I jumped out of the car and I ran the Augusta Marathon. I think I finished fourth or fifth. And I ran 2.57 the next morning. And then I hopped in my car and I drove home because it was a uh, community center that was doing a 10K that afternoon. So I drove up to back to Columbia from Augusta, which is only an hour. And I ran the 10K and I was trying to break 40 minutes and I ran 40 minutes and two seconds. And that just made me upset with myself that I couldn't <laughs> have kicked a little harder. Because I was kicking for like yeah. 150 meters and I should have kicked for 200. I thought I had it covered and I just messed up. Otherwise, I had three pretty exemplary runs. And as it worked out, I had two exemplary runs and one so-so. <laughs> it's still, yeah. yeah. You didn't you didn't push hard enough uh, that last day. So, so tell us about um, the amount of things you have done and are still doing as a runner. Uh, what inspires you to do and be, do what you do? Go out and and be part of the events and uh, running for so long. Tell us about that. I don't know if anything inspires me. Inspire is a funny word. I get inspired and then I go write a poem or a short story, uh, sometimes an article for Running Journal magazine. I run because I love to run. Uh, you know, if that's inspiration, then that's inspiration. But I like running, and I'm competitive. I like being competitive. Uh, I like running fast. I like testing myself. But I'm also not opposed to running against others. I like competition. Uh, I raised a son that did some ultras when he was young. Now he drives race cars because he's like, man, it's easy. I just sit here and I push one pedal, push the other pedal. Every once in a while, you got to use that pedal in the middle. And, you know, I'm going really fast and I get to compete against people. So uh, I think it's in a lot of us, just that that joy of competition. And there are people I've competed against who are like best friends. Steve Warshower, who is long gone from the sport now, was a great friend. He lived in Atlanta, very fast, was second at Western States one year. Um, we raced each other hard frequently, and yet for several years when he was in Atlanta, before he moved back out to New Mexico, he drove from Atlanta to come spend Christmas with my family because he didn't really he didn't have any family on the East Coast. So, you know, you have things like that. Uh, I tell people, they say, have you seen the Barkley uh, documentary? I say, man, I have slept on the floor at Gary's house. Gary has slept on the floor at my house. Our kids were raised side by side at races. I think his daughter, well, I know his daughter studied the same field as one of my daughters. You know, it's like, yeah, I know all about Barkley. You know, people are like, oh, my gosh, that must be so cool. Uh, but, you know, Gary is a true genius of the sport, and he's added a lot more than just Barkley. You know, Fall State, uh, the Backyard Ultra, there were runs he put on that have disappeared. He did national championship 24 hours on a track. Uh, you know, I mean, he, he's done so much for the sport and, you know, you get to see your friends a lot when you run. That was one of the things it's like, well, I have grandmother and family in New York and I just lost my grandma. My grandmother was known to a lot of people. She died at 101 years, six months, 13 days. And she was still going strong. She actually got bit by a tick mm. and then 
complications from the medicine they gave her for the tick bite ended up leading to, you know, just organs that didn't want to respond well on things like that. Otherwise, she'd be going strong. But, you know, she met Alan Keurig and all those guys up at Warmug way back in 79. She showed up at six-day races I ran in New York and, you know, other races. And, uh, you know, it's just it's just that kind of thing. So it's like, okay, any race in New York I get to go because it's an excuse to visit my grandmother. I've had people say, do you ever do anything without a race involved? I say, no, no. It's do I ever visit my grandmother without running a race? You know, you got <laughs> yeah. uh, and you those things and you know i traveled you know overseas a few times and uh yeah you know, run london or i've run i'm sorry I've, run, I've never run in london i've run in england i've run in france i've run in belgium i've run in greece and canada but canada doesn't count really <laughs> they're just north of us <laughs> no. yeah talking about uh visiting family and going places a lot of i get the same question is it any time you visit without a race i said probably not put a race i'll be there <laughs> yeah put family there i'll find a race yeah that too yeah that that always always helps to uh to visit families and visit friends i mean i have done i've done extensive travel not as much as you have probably um but um i'm still looking to search in places to go and find my friends and families as right. i travel so and you find new friends all the time. Definitely, definitely. Um, talking about that, uh, um, so you you talked about 1995. It looks like that's kind of was a your turning point uh, where where you kind of gave up about competitive racing. Is there? I mean, I I know you talked about a house. Is that a reason why? Is there is there you had to rebuild and is that oh, yeah. uh, is that a? I mean, running was not the priority for you then. Right. It, it couldn't be the priority. Uh, the house would burn down. Um, basically I bulldozed by hand half of it. Uh, the other half we saved and we used, you know, kilts and all kinds of, we basically restored one half, you know, cause the frame, it was a brick house. So the frame and a lot of the stuff was salvage, salvageable. And then I found some trusses when I was coaching cross country at the time, one of my cross country runners uh grandfather had a building material shop and he had some trusses somebody had ordered and not you know you know changed their mind so he you know he lost his deposit on him and the guy had him sitting on his lot and he made me a great deal so i basically designed a house around these trusses that i bought and we attached it to the house but i had already put in i was working on my phd at the time and i'd already put in for a sabbatical for the following year so the house burned in april we had uh seven weeks of school left so i would go teach and then i'd come home in the afternoon and i sifted through the place like an archaeologist found a lot of things found baby books found things that were buried you know in the rubble had one of the big green dumpsters you know one of the 40 cubic yard dumpsters and put trash in it and cleared the space and then built but uh it took till december to build the house with the help of my brother-in-law jody and uh Eric Swanson, who was also ran that first ultra marathon in South Carolina back on March 3rd, 1979. We had stayed in touch and was still friends years later. And he does building and stuff like that. And so basically the three of us built the house. I had a daughter that was in the band and her bandmates all came over. A bunch of them came over and helped clean up debris and stuff like that. And another daughter was a cheerleader and they had a party and had pizza and stuff, and they did painting. And it was kind of like an old-fashioned home building that took uh, eight months to do. And uh, then I was in huge debt. I'd run up every credit card I had. Uh, I was terribly underinsured. I bought the house, you know, whatever, 
16, 17 years before. I wasn't smart enough to put replacement value. Uh, and, uh, you know, so financially it was, you know, really, really bad. Uh, then I was on sabbatical, which meant I only got half pay. So I was kind of, you know, I borrowed some money from my grandmother and she said, pay me back when you retire. And now I'm sad because she died and I haven't retired. (laughs) She, it it was a gift that, you know, she, uh, she's helped different people in the family through the years. So then to pay off debts and stuff, I got a part-time job, uh, Christmas season at one of the big box retail outlets. I won't give them a uh, plug here. And, uh, then I was picking up my son from his job, who I will give a plug, uh, at Firestone. And the manager was in the guard with my sister, and he was a great guy. And uh, then when he moved on, the new manager had moved up. And I worked for Firestone part-time for 17 years, from 95 to uh, 2012. And I averaged 30 hours a week at a part-time job. For all- so that replaced the running. I'd been running 20 hours a week, so... Uh, I was working 30 hours a week, you know, and basically had two jobs, sometimes three. And, uh, you know, I ran when I could. It it couldn't be a priority. And, you know, you just do what you have to. As I paid down debts from the house, I had kids graduate college in 96 and 98. and I mean, graduate high school. So then I was trying to help put kids through college. And I got both my daughters through college with no student loans, which is a pretty good thing to do. Definitely. And, you know. You know, I probably sacrificed a lot of family for the running early, and it was just like you do what you have to do. And I kept saying, ah, "I'm going to get back. You know, I'm going to get back in shape when I'm 50." Nope, didn't happen. I'm going to get back in shape when I'm 60. Nope, didn't happen. So uh, Nick Marshall turned me on to my newest quest. When they had the first race for the ages, Nick pointed out that before that race, I was the only person who had run a hundred miles in the 70s, 80s, 90s, zeros, and teens which surprised me a little bit. And at that race, because of the very uh, liberal hour per year, three other people joined me with having that. So it was then pointed out that I was the only person who had done it in all those decades in one day or less. And it was sub 24 hour hundreds in each of those decades. So uh, Nick said, just a few more years, you can get a six decade. And I said, yeah, and I think I'll probably still be able to go under 24 hours. He said, but the trick will be to go under 24 hours now. I said, why? He said, well, you've run under 24 hours in your 20s, 30s, 40s, and 50s, but not your 60s. Hmm. I said, well, hell, I can fix that. So I went to Bill Schultz's race uh, in Dawn to Dust to Dawn up in uh, Pennsylvania, and I painted in just a perfect 101 miles in 24 hours. So I now have, and according to Nick and any research I've been able to do, I am the only person on the planet to have run 100 miles in a day or less, and I think at all, in my 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, and 60s. Definitely, and then you started so so young and so early, and you still kept that record, so... I'm sure somebody will challenge that record, but not at this moment. So, well, I plan I plan on nailing the 70s. I plan on nailing the 20s because that's only what two and a half years away now. So I can get the 20s. You know, I can get the 2020s. It is a little. It's eight more years or seven and a half more years. Uh, you know, I was very. Uh, I'll even use your word inspired. I was inspired by Ed Whitlock, who has since passed away, but he went out and did the mileage, and and there were no shortcuts. I mean, I can tell you right now, if I had the time. 
to go out and train 100 to 120 miles a week, I think I could probably do some amazing running. I'm trying to organize my life so I can do that. Uh, so, you know, we'll see. You know, I'm testing the theories. I did 13 yesterday. I did eight today. I'm going to kind of build it up a little bit. And uh, But even when I was training, seriously, I might do 120 miles one week and 40 the next, just depending on what was going on. Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I tried to do that the same what you're doing. I mean, I'm not in the miles that you're talking about, 120 miles. But, you know, I get highest of 60 miles, 70 miles, and then down to 40. Go up and down. That's I'm trying to build for a 100-miler this fall. But, uh, you know, with the family and kids and work, and, you know, it's not <laughs> not that simple. So putting those right. time. But you got to do it. You got to do yeah. it. Even this hot day of summer, I love it. I mean, love love running and people laugh at me, but but hey, you know, when it comes to fall, I'll be I'll be ready. Talking about that, uh talking about training, uh do you still put a schedule out? Do you or you just kind of work it out as like you said as as the time I, or I have never run on a schedule. When I was I mean, I've done as much as 240 miles in one week training, no race involved. And uh I just go out and run. I don't set an alarm in the morning, so some days I'm up at 4.30, 4.40, and I can run till, you know, whatever time I have to come in, take my shower and go to work. Other days I might sleep till, oh, my God, I got just enough time. I, I set an emergency alarm at the end, so it's like, <laughs> okay, that's drop dead. You got time to jump in the shower. And there's been, you know, obviously hundreds of days, you know, through a 40-year career um, where, you know, you wake up and that's it, so you don't get a morning run. I used to be pretty faithful about running right after school. I used to run from school, many, many places I've worked. You know, you get out of school between 3 and 3.30, so I ran till 5. I just would get back to my car at 5, so it was like I was a normal worker. I felt like that wasn't taking additional time from the family. And, uh, you know, 5 o'clock, I'd be back in my car. I'd drive home, take a shower, and then, you know, have family time. And sometimes when the kids were in bed, I would go to sleep and... uh I mean, I would go out for a run as, you know, they were going to sleep and get a little mileage that way. I started to mention something. Amby Burford told a story about me for years when he used to speak, or for several years, because I heard it like three times when he used to speak at marathon symposiums. And he talked about going to Lake Warmug to watch me run 100K, well, to watch people run 100K. And I happened to win that day, and I ran seven hours, four minutes, and 24 seconds. And that was in uh, late April of 1983. So after the race, Amby walked up to me and said, Ray, you just ran 62 miles at sub-seven-minute mile pace. How do you train? And I said, Amby, my training was off a little last month. He said, how so? And I said, I only average 7.6 miles per run. And he thought for a second. He said, you're right. That does seem a little less than I would expect. Well, every year at Lake Warmug, when the race was over, I would jump in the lake. And so as he's talking to me, we're walking toward the lake and I'm shedding my shoes and socks, and as I did a shallow dive into the water, I didn't realize it was a shallow dive until that's what Amby was saying at his speech. As I, he, his words, as Ray did a shallow dive into the lake, he threw back over his shoulder. Of course, I had 87 runs. <laughs> do the math, but 87 runs, and there were days I trained five times in a day. You know, I would run at recess. I would run. I was teaching at a private school for learning disabled kids and I had PE and I would go out and run with them at PE. I'd put a soccer ball in the field, they'd play soccer and I'd lap the field and, you know, I had it measured and I knew how many laps I would do. And <laughs> so, you know, there were days that I ran five times, there were days I ran once, but it was the perfect mixture of long and short runs. 
if you do the math, you'll find it's like 630 miles and uh, ran a 70400K, which is that's amazing. Both, both that's... a joy and a disappointment because I was five and a half hours for uh, 50 miles. And I'm like, okay, I got 90 minutes, which is, you know, a pretty decent time. And the guy that I was racing with, Race Ganell, through 50 miles stopped at 50. Hmm. And that stole all my incentive. And so I ended up jogging it in a little bit. And gotcha. Missed- you didn't have somebody to push you, push you through that till the end. Yeah, because I was five twenty-eight. I was five. We call it five twenty-nine, five twenty-eight, fifty-eight at fifty. So I had the time to break seven, but with nobody there, it's like you know what? I don't have to do this anymore. The next guy's probably an hour behind me, which it turned out he was over an hour. Gotcha. And- Talk about this five run, five runs a day. Uh, t- uh, I've been trying to do three. Today I ran two. And my, mine is not as long as yours. Uh, three to five miles per run. Uh, tell uh, tell how difficult it is for you to keep on changing, and maybe have to take a shower, change clothes. How do you how do you manage those? How you, do you still do do those kind of runs uh, these days, or or those days are gone? do when I can. Like a school I was at a couple of years ago, I had back-to-back planning periods. And then I had one class with five kids at the end of the day. So I would run the entire double planning period. And then I would, you know, sponge off as best I could, put my clothes on, sit them at the back of the room, teach from the front, you know, didn't want to offend anybody. The year, you know, and that month was a little extraordinary. Uh, I think probably my next best number of runs in a month is probably in the low 60s. Uh, I've always said 11 runs per week is optimal. Like when I coach people, I try and block out 11 run weeks. Uh, but like I say, I've written a few plans. I've never followed one, so I don't bother. I basically go out, have a pretty good memory for what I've done, what paces there are and stuff like that. So, you know, I just kind of mix and match. And uh, my basic theory of running is that all human performance falls on a bell curve, so should training. So if you do some five-minute miles, you should have some 12-minute miles on the other end to balance it out. And I have said for many, many years, I wrote it over 30 years ago for Running Journal, most runners train too fast on a daily basis and not fast enough when they should be running fast. Because when I was running 100-and-something-mile weeks, I was averaging never under 10-minute miles, you know, 10-something to even low 11s uh, for my overall average. And yet, if you think about 120 miles, and if you pay attention to the 12%, I mean, the 10% speed work, that gives you 12 miles of speed work a week. And I used to cheat. I used to do more like 13 to 15% speed work because I figured I was strong enough and had a big enough base. So all of a sudden, you're talking about close to 20 miles a week of speed work. And there are runners now talking about trying to get by with 40 miles a week total train training. And, uh, you know, they can run and they can finish, but it's not. Uh, and I mean, I've. I've probably averaged 30 miles a week the past 10 years. And it's obvious, you know, I can still do 124. I can still do a lot of things. But I've had some buildup, you know, like when I built up for uh, the 50K National Championship where I ran the 437, I had picked it up probably to 50 to 60 a week for those eight weeks prior to it. And I have no doubt had I run 100-mile weeks, I would have been half an hour faster. You know, so it's cost-benefit analysis, you know. It's... Got you, got you. Yeah, uh, training uh, for me, uh, I think almost, it's been a almost a year, two, almost two years, two summers. Uh, I haven't been able to train. This summer, I'm, I'm very serious. I haven't been able to 
log as much mouth like I used to. I, I like to do it, but uh, I can't see the result from what I have what I have put it in. But most of my training, I think uh, you you mentioned. I mean, I have one speed workout per week, and then and most of my running is pretty slow. I mean, I don't run fast uh, during the during any time. You know, then then come a race day, I'm always trying to go fast. What? Give me an example of a speed workout. Uh, I do uh, I do 800. Uh, I do I do four 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 hundred. I mean, probably four three to four eight hundreds in a mile. That's uh, that's about it. Five 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 six miles. That's all I can put in the time that I have. Uh, and what kind of your eight hundreds? My eight hundred, the fastest eight hundred so far this year. I, I think I'm in three nineteen, three eighteen, and one thirty for four hundred. So that's that's has that has been, you know, for a, some time I I go and try to speed, and that's like a, I'm ultra marathoner. I'm training for ultra hundred mile. Or why I'm doing this? So you know, I'm sometimes it doesn't. Doesn't make sense, but but I know that there's a result. But go ahead. So you're what about a 340 marathoner? A 320. Okay, so so you've 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 run you've run really well off of that speed work, which means you could probably tolerate some more speed work. What's like your best 50 mile, 100 mile? Uh, 25 hours, 100. I haven't done actually done a 50. See, I, and and with the 320 marathon, there's where your lack of base and lack of training shows up. You should be a 21, 22-hour marathon at worst. I mean, 100 miles. 100 miles, yeah. yeah, definitely. I, I Last time when I ran 100, I showed that, uh, but I think that's, well, that's like you said, lack of training. Um, mm-hmm. I did not. I was running uh, that 20, 22 hours, I mean, less than 24 hours uh, speed, but did not end up like that. I ended up in 29 hours, but that's, that's probably the training and the amount of races I put in, but... But I, I'm I'm willing to try different things. That's that that's when it when it when it's a deep down, trying to get the marathon, or just the speed train and you know doing a lot of distance train. I think that's what I need. What what do you think about that? Well, I think that like you you acted like oh I'm an ultra marathon runner. What should I you know why am I doing speed work? I used to do workouts like twenty times eight hundred meters sub three. Okay, right just just right under three, holding them under three to train for my ultras, okay? Because your speed in an ultra is determined by what your pace is for top speed and what you can maintain. I used to go do the marathon. We put on the Olympic marathon trials for women, uh, two Olympics in a row, 96 and 2000. So for many, many years, all the mile markers were in the road, and I would go to the start of the race, and I would jog the first mile. And when I got to the first mile, I would hammer for three minutes, and then I would jog, to the next mile, hammer fit, and I would repeat. So what you end up with is 25 times 800 meters or so, you know, because you're up and downhill. Uh, I've run low three hours. Actually, I ran a 302 there one day as a workout by going hard, you know, I mean, because I'm running six-minute miles, you know, for half the race. A uh, friend of mine, guy I coached in high school that continued running, uh, actually broke three doing that workout the one time he did the workout and that was kind of a sad day because it was a woman in town it was when we were getting ready for the woman's trial there was a woman who would come to train on the course and we were talking about the run at one of the running shops and i tried to warn her that it was a hard run unless you know i mean i'd coached uh, bobby for a long time and so you know i knew he could handle it he knew you know he'd done stuff but it's intense to go out and do that kind of workout and she came out and to her credit her husband came out and he took care of drinks and stuff like that 
Well, she broke about halfway through. I think by about 16 miles, she jumped in the car. And in, in, in really, really the kind of thing that we have in our sport of running overall, she and her husband continued to, you know, crew for Bobby and I as we continued this workout, you know, giving us water and stuff. And I'm trying to remember now, she either didn't get to run the trials or she ran, you know, she was injured and she ran very subpar. And I felt bad because, you know, give me six months with you and I'll work you up to that workout and you'll go and maybe make the team. <laughs> uh, but it's it's often hard to jump into somebody else's workout. And that's why a lot of times people go to the track and they do these big things. I go to the track and I watch people and sometimes I'll jump in and do some things with people. But for the most part, I'm going to do the workout. Those are workouts I write down. I plan in advance, except for two occasions. One time I was running a 24 hour in uh, Lilburn, Georgia, and Dick Berkeley came out with a group of guys. And he was doing 400 meter repeats. And I was probably at the 43 mile mark or so of this 24 hour. And I was jumping on the track every other one with them and running mid 60 400s in the middle of <laughs> this 24 hour effort. And I thought that was pretty good. But a couple of years after that, I was running a six day race in New York City. And Eamon Coughlin came out. They have a National Youth Sports Day. Colin Carol Lewis came out, their dad. You know, they do things with young people, you know, to, uh, you know, encourage them and teach them about track and field. And uh, Eamon Coughlin was doing repeat 400s. So whatever it was, day three or day four of this uh, six-day race, I was doing the same thing. I was jumping on and off the track every other 400 and doing mid-60s <laughs> 400s. <laughs> and, the, and because it's just a different set of muscles i have finished 100 miles on two different occasions with 64 second 100 meter runs yeah i mean 400 meter runs in a six day where i did 450 miles i was trying to do that and i timed it wrong because as i came around out of what we'll call nascar three i saw don Choi up in front of me and he was going to finish right on an exact lap and i realized that to run sub 70 I would pass him right as he was finishing. And I mean, I can be an asshole, but I'm not that big an asshole. I didn't want to steal his limelight by going flying by. You know, I mean, everybody's there to see him. And so I slowed down and let him go across the finish line, veered out to one of the outside lanes, crossed the start finish line in 72 seconds. And there was still like 20 seconds to go. So I did a little cool down, down to the end. And, you know, that's where I marked myself and, uh, you know, did that. But, Literally, I was capable of running in the 60s for 400 meters. So, so yes. definitely, definitely, uh, what you're what you're suggesting is that uh, this uh, this uh, interval runs that you were describing or interval runs are beneficial for ultra marathoner as well. Absolutely, yeah. The faster you can go means the longer you can maintain a high speed. Manfred Stephanie wrote in his book uh, Marathoning, uh, which came out in like 1977 or 78. He wrote that measure your speed for 100 meters, double it. That's a speed you can maintain for up to eight hours. Now, again, he's talking road racing and marathons and 100Ks and things like that. And uh, it really works pretty closely because most people don't train enough and aren't intense enough. I work people off their 400 meter time. And if you get your best 400 meters, double that, you can run that pace really out to 100 miles. Mm. Uh, it's amazing some of the formulas that are out there and you know i tell people things like that and like no no you're wrong and you know they got 22 hour 100 mile prs and they're going to tell me i'm wrong and it's okay because i may be wrong but i've got faster times than that so. 
This sounds um, like this sounds like a good podcast for me to listen. That's uh, after I put it out there too to kind of uh, to see how my training. You know, that's where I am right now because my training has been in such a bad state for so long. Finally, I'm taken seriously after a couple of years. So, so I'm, I've been limping around. I mean, I've been racing. I mean, I do a lot of races, but not the the time that I won. And I knew I I know that I can. I don't have a training to back this up. That's that's what I told very beginning of this summer. I said I need to back up my training with the racing style I want. You said you had a race coming up. You couldn't do a race for the ages this year. What do you have coming up? Uh, I have a, a no, that weekend is not a race weekend. I have a other other planning, but but I have a, like it? a twenty mile race coming up in a couple of weeks, and then then I have a then I will run a fifty k and then stage race. And the biggest race I'm doing is a hundred mile. Uh, I, I do. I usually race a uh, seven bridges marathon. Uh, that's my speed. Uh, that's where I. That's what I qualify for Boston three twenty. I've done right. there three times, and then uh, and uh, and a Pinhody one hundred. So those okay, are. And Pin is on a pretty tough course, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's it's a divided between. You know, it's an easier part at the beginning. You know, then right. then comes comes terrains. It's it's not as bad. I mean, I have to run hundreds or hundreds, so they're not as bad you know you have to learn to navigate through but i live close to Pinhody. i've been training go there a little bit to just to kind of right. figure out but but yeah it, it is a it is it is no easy course and so for your 20 mile run you're looking for what two and a half hours to 45 what are you looking to run there time <laughs> no for 20 miles it's still a trail race so so this okay. this this will uh uh, my best there is, I don't even remember four hours or something like that. So it's a pretty, pretty tough, uh, hill climbing and stuff like that. But for yeah, the, for the road, I, I was saying, I just reverted back to thinking, uh, oh, 20 miles isn't an ultra. It must be on the road. No, that was no, that's a trail, trail race. Um, so, so yeah, that, you know, this mixing between the road and trail, that's, that's what I, that's what I get. I, I do this, uh, this, a uh, 50 K, um, autumn equinox I do once in a while. It's not a road. It's a, it's a trail, but still fit pretty fast. I can do that in five hours. That's a, one of my fastest 50K. So, you know, so, but I have not uh, done that in a couple of years, but definitely I'm training. Um, marathon is, uh, I like to qualify again for Boston. So that's, uh, you know, 320 is pretty fast speed at this moment okay. for me. So. And is seven bridges? Seven bridges and marathon in October. Okay, so that would qualify you for the 2019. Yeah, yeah. I, there's one more race I want to go before, but but we'll see if I will make it or not. I, I'll have to see how how my training is. Mm -hmm. But definitely, uh, let's uh, let, let's move a little bit far, further uh, 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 in this uh, in this interview. Um, <laughs> we, we talked about my training, your training, your racing, a lot of lot of discussion. We we talked about. Uh, Let's talk about uh, what kind of nutrition plan do you follow, or do you follow anything uh, for the all the all the things that you do? When I was a the the answer is very different. When I was a serious runner for many many years, I ate no cooked foods before dinner. I actually wrote about that in Running Journal once. So I'd get up in the morning, it was grazing all day, fresh fruits and vegetables, uh, things like that, and then you know just kind of normal. I do eat meat, not a lot of red meat, you know, chicken, fish. Uh, I probably do chicken twice, fish twice for every time, you know, I have red meat. Uh, maybe even more than that. I'm trying to remember the last time. You know, I'm, I'm not a fanatic about anything. I do, you know, a lot of fresh fruits and vegetables. You drink a lot of water, as much water. Any juices or sports drink or anything like that, I cut to half strength. 
uh, just because, you know, you can get a lot of stupid calories in you. And uh, you want your calories to be uh, nutritionally dense as possible. So I invented what I call the Ray Krolowitz Great Ape Diet many years ago. And that's uh, get seven or eight different pieces of fruit, you know, an apple, a peach, a pear, a plum, a banana, <clears throat> put them in a basket and eat one every hour to hour and a half all day. And uh, then you have kind of a normal meal at dinner, you know, meat and potatoes, as they say. Uh but not fanatical about anything. You know, I avoid junk food for a long time. I said, if it said registered Pennsylvania Department of Agriculture, it doesn't belong in the human body. Mm. It goes back to how the fast food industry and the junk food industry, Pennsylvania had the toughest rules. So if it was good in Pennsylvania, all the other states accepted it. Now kind of what I say is if it comes in a cellophane package, it doesn't belong in the human body. And for the most part, I'm probably right. Although now they do put salads and stuff, you know, they do these pre-cut, pre-washed salads and just the right, you know, size and they can put seven or eight different things in it. And so I back off that a little bit, but, uh, for the most part, you don't want to be eating out of cellophane. Definitely. Um, um, talking about, uh, racing, running, all the things you have done. Uh, is there one favorite race that, that you, that you have, or some, some one race that you like to repeat over and over? You talked about the uh, race for the ages, uh, your recent well, race sounds like so, but what is your favorite race? My favorite race for many, many years. And I went up every year was uh, Lake Warmug. Uh, like I say, Jack Bristol has passed away and Dean Perry started it and It was just, you know, it was a race for runners and, you know, pretty pure. It was a 50 mile and a hundred K. They drew a lot of good talent. They were both talented runners, particularly Jack. Jack ran London to Brighton one year. Jack, you know, 130 plus 24 hour guy. Uh, you know, over the years, the race changed. It became, you know, kind of another ultra. I mean, the venue's still great, but it became another ultra. And then like the next to the last, next to the most recent race director, had never even met Jack, you know, didn't know Jack, but he knew people that did. And he was, you know, he, he really did a great job. And then I don't know if the race was sold or if it was just taken over. Uh, and I haven't been back since. So, but, you know, so I can't really say, Oh, they've messed it up, but just the feel for it isn't the same. Uh, you know, it, it, it had already started changing. One of the things was that, The whole premise was you finished 50 miles, you got a finish, and then you went on to 100K. And so you could get what they call a double win. If you read the history, they've got a website with history. It says something like, you know, Don Marvel took both races or Ray Krolowitz took both races. Well, when they brought in chip timing, you put in events. So now all of a sudden, like the first year they did that, I won at 50 and I got passed for the hundred by the hundred K and that's part of the race. That's part of the greatness of that race is you might have a great 50 and then fall apart or you might, you know, have a real average. I get caught from behind a couple different years, uh, after 50 miles, but you know, I'm expecting, okay, Ray won the 50 and then he went on and was second at hundred K. No, some other guy half an hour behind won the 50. I'm like, how in the hell does that work? And Oh, it's a chip timing. Mm. So when the, when the timing dictates the event and the spirit of the event is gone. I mean, it doesn't take that much to say first guy to 50 wins, you know, and some races are set up differently. Warmug was never set up that way. So even with the same race director, he kind of shrugged his shoulders, you know, and 
that's from a lack of fundamental understanding of what the race was put together as. So a 50K had been added. So now it's a 50K, a 50 mile, 100K. They use the same course, but they're three different races. And it's like, you know, there's a lot going on in late April, early May. I'm not sure if it's worth the drive up <laughs> for what's become just another race. Because I think racing, like I talked earlier about the competition, racing is a really neat thing. And that whole thing of, well, are you going for the 50 mile or are you going for the 100K? They did the same thing in Chicago for a number of years, you know, and Noel Nequin put on that race, American Medical Joggers Association, later the American Medical, uh, whatever they changed, AM, they changed it from AMJA to AMAA, American Medical Athletic Association or whatever. But, you know, they hosted national championships. They put on really great races. But you got a 50-mile time and place, and then you went on to 100K. If, if you so wanted one year, they even had a hundred mile and, uh, you know, Jim King, who was a Western States winner, came East one year, came Midwest one year and he raced and, you know, I led Alan Curie actually led early and then I led and 40 little after 40 miles, he passed me and he went into 50. So I think I'm chasing him for the hundred K and I used to really like to hammer the hundred K, you know, the last 12 and hunt people down that might be getting tired. So I got to the turnaround and, you know, 535 or something like that. And I'm hammering back out and runners are coming in and I'm trying to assess where he is. So people that I know, I'm like, hey, where's Jim King? Haven't seen him. Where's Jim King? Nobody had seen Jim King. So I get out to the far end of the course. You know, it was like a lollipop on a stick. There was a loop around a small park at the north end. And then at the south end, you just turned around a pylon. So I get up to the north end. It's like, what time did Jim King come through? And they're like, Jim hasn't come through. He, I think he stopped at 50. I said, no, no. He, I saw him on his way out. You know, he was, he was going out because when he was on his way out at 50, I was coming in and I just kind of pointed him and I said, all right, I'm coming after you, Jim. So I'm like, oh, you guys missed him. I can't believe that. So now <laughs> I'm hammering back. Well, I saw Park Barner. Park Barner pays attention to everything. I said, Park how far up is Jim King? He says, you're first in hundred King, hundred K Jim King's not out here. I said, Oh, so I'm like, I still don't trust it. Okay. Parks let me down too. So I keep hammering, keep hammering and whatever. I think I ran like seven eleven, Yeah. Seven eleven fifty two for the hundred K. Well, as I'm coming in and I wasn't going to break seven hours that day either, but I was going to have a decent time as I'm coming in, I look over on the grass and on a blanket sitting with a small group of people is Jim King. And I didn't notice him. He's like, way to go, Ray. And I look up, I said, Jim, what the hell are you doing over there? He says, oh, hell, I started out and I wanted no part of you for those last 12 miles. I <laughs> so maybe it's a little case of reputation or maybe it's he's like, I'm going to take the 50 mile win and I'm going to stop. You know, that's that's the spirit of stuff like that. You know, I mean, gotcha. so you can late in a race so you know warmug has gone away from the original premise of the race and the 50 mile 100k and the 50k is completely different there's a different turnaround point and they can do whatever they want and i understand that entices people to the sport and uh but i think that you know if you have to go through the 50 mile in route to 100k which you do you should you know it, i just think that jack and dean's original premises for the race should have been adhered to so I had already missed a couple of years, you know, late, and it's just like, you know, if I hear later on they've gone back to the original setup and they figure out how to do the timing up there so they can do that, uh, 
it takes away from your racing. You know, you, people's pacing might be slightly different. I mean, mine wouldn't be, to be real honest with you. But one of the years I got caught from behind, uh, I got caught, oh, God, Dave Liljack literally ran the first 50K with his wife. And she was a decent runner. And then he hammered the second half. So I was still in front of him at 50K, and I mean at 50 miles, and lost by a half an hour because he'd been cruising all day. And again, a really great runner. David's done, uh, God, 541 miles in a six day. I mean, he's got a wide range. He's a great runner. That was the day I met him. And yeah, he snake bit me because when I went through 50K, I'd said to somebody, you know, let me know when the next person comes by. You know, I had some friends there. And somebody came out and said, oh, the next runner went through, you know, 11 minutes later. I'm like, okay, you know, gaining 11 minutes per mile on me is going to be hard. You know, you know, a minute per mile over the last 12. And I'm probably running eights at that point. Well, what they didn't tell me is, oh, yeah, there was another guy a minute, two seconds behind him. You know, literally as they were getting in the car, which he told me later. And he was flying. He was probably running 630s. So uh, he caught me from behind, and I was just like, well, damn. I mean, it just went, <laughs> you know, all the air came out of it. And, uh, you know, I mean, credit to him. You know, he stayed focused on his race, and uh, I didn't. So uh, I got what I deserved. But I did get credit that year because it was in the old days for the 50-mile win. He got credit for the 100K win. The next time that happened, it's like, no, this other guy won the 50 mile and you didn't. And that's like, okay, never mind. Definitely. So anyway. Yeah. I, I haven't been to a racist uh, done set up like that uh, uh, ever. So so definitely I need to look into it. And there may be races. You know, sometimes, like you said, you, you may be faster first 50 and then and slower next 10K, 20, whatever, however distance, whatever the distance, further distance you have. So that's uh, that's interesting. Um Ray, uh, we talked about running, racing, for, and you're running for the last 40-plus years. You are the, the ultra man that I know um, that, that has been running for so long, uh, still running competitively and doing so much things. I know we talked so long, uh, so, so many different things, and I, I know this is just the start. Hopefully, we can talk more in coming days and probably bring you back again uh, to talk about your running, more running journey and more running stories, uh, going a little bit in depth. Um, before we close this uh, interview, I would like you to give word of advice to all the runners listening to us at this moment. Uh, give a word of advice to, to be lifetime runner and uh, competitive runner, lifetime runners like you. Uh, and give us a word of advice. Well, I don't know if I'm smart enough to give advice, but what I have done is enjoyed running. I've run as much as I could in the time that I have. And it's varied, like I said earlier, between 40 and 240 miles a week. And uh, enjoy it. Find ways to enjoy it. Find races. If you enjoy trails, run trails. If you enjoy roads, run roads. If you want to be good at it, if you want to be competitive, understand that you have to take care of yourself. And taking care of yourself includes training as many miles as you can. You know, when you look at the fact that top flight 10k runners run 100 miles a week and we have guys trying to run 100 mile races on 40 miles a week and then oh i'm not fast enough you know don't beat yourself up for things that you have made a choice about uh you know the guys that are beating you 
in general are doing more miles or they just have so much more natural ability that, uh, you know, you're not going to catch them no matter what you do. And, and I saw that, you know, I never considered myself an elite runner. I always said I was the best of the second echelon and that was a comfortable place to be. So I would just say run as much as you can, enjoy life as much as you can. And, you know, if running's part of it, that's fantastic. I love running, whether it's a training run or a race or anything else. And I think that is what contributes to the longevity and the enjoyment of it and the competitiveness of it. Great. It sounds like a great word of advice, Ray. Uh, can you uh, tell us where people can follow your journey? Well, I have a Facebook page. And then I'm just doing a Ray the K Facebook page because I've been coaching people, you know, like on and off internet and stuff like that. And I eventually would like to leave the classroom, do more traveling, run more races, train more. It's hard to do the training I want, you know, locked in a brick and mortar building. So I'm playing with setting up a page to do some coaching and that's Ray the K and that's also on Facebook. And Definitely, um, Ray, it has been really great talk to you and Absolutely. spending some time and uh And hopefully we can talk more in the coming days. Well, great. I'm glad, glad we've made this acquaintance. Thank you. If you have a need to cover your event, from marketing to taking photos, please contact mruns.com by emailing at marathonruns at gmail.com. Thanks for listening to another episode of Emirates Podcast. Please subscribe to our podcast channel, Voice of Runners, at iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, and more. And also follow our social media channel, Marathon Runs, on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube.